Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Today we continue our series titled The Presence of God with a message that is called Discovering Destiny. In this message, we continue the revelation of the four chairs and look deeper into how living in the fourth chair opens the door to God's destiny for our lives. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. We're going to begin at verse 4. Today, we're going to talk about discovering destiny. Discovering destiny. Whenever you hear the word destiny, destiny refers to an outcome. It, 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 it speaks to a, an impact of something, that something happens to form or shape a destiny. And when a destiny is shaped or when any kind of destiny is formed, there are a couple of factors that determine how destiny moves. The first is our awareness. In other words, whenever you're in a moment, any moment that you're in, if destiny is going to be manifested, you have to be aware that you're in the destiny. See, some people are waiting for destiny to happen down the road, but destiny doesn't start down the road. Destiny starts where you stand right now. Your destiny is based on where you are right now, and your awareness of where you are in any moment determines what your destiny going forward would be. Because the second factor about destiny is destiny is based on decisions. In other words, first is an awareness. The second is what decisions you make when you're standing where you are right now. The decisions that you make shape the next level of your destiny. So first is being aware of where you are, aware of the moment, aware of the situation, aware of what's happening. When you're aware, then you can make proper decisions based on right information. And when you make decisions based on right information, then the third thing comes to play, which determines how your destiny goes, which is how much energy do you put behind your decisions. First is awareness. Second is decisions. Third is the energy that you put behind your decisions. So I made a decision once. I saw a circumstance come up. I made a decision. The, made, the decision I made, I made the right decision, but I didn't put enough energy behind my decision. I was aware of the moment. I see what's happening. I made a decision. I know what to do. But then I didn't put enough energy behind it, so I went so far, and then my energy went down. So I didn't get the benefit of my decision even when I was aware of the moment. Some of us had the gospel preached to us many times before we made a decision. In other words, somebody preached the gospel in the moment there's an awareness, there's an opportunity to make a decision. Some of us had the gospel preached to us and we didn't even realize there was a decision to be made. <laughs> That's how I was for years. People were telling me about Jesus, and I don't realize I actually have to do something with this because I just thought, I don't believe. Which put me where? Put me in the first chair. There are decisions that you make from this first chair that determine where you go in life. They're decisions that you go from just the awareness that there might be a God out there, that there is just a cosmic force that may or may not be God. Those decision is based on the first chair, and the first chair is the omnipresence of God, that God is out there somewhere, but I don't even have to connect to him or think about him. He just is. But then one day, I heard the gospel again. And I saw something happen that I had to say, if there is a God, that was God. I wasn't a believer yet, but I saw something happen and I couldn't explain it. It was supernatural, but I don't want to believe that there's a God because I was an atheist. So I had to say something happened. I saw it happen. And if there was a God, I think that would have been him. But I don't believe there's a God. So I have an internal crisis here right now. 
Then, there's the moment where something happens and you realize not only might that be God, I think he's talking to me. He's talking to me. In other words, over here, he may have been just some cosmic force. Out here, he's personal. He's actually talking to me. And because he's talking to me, I have to make a decision. See, awareness. Each of these represents a point of awareness. That first thing about destiny. Destiny always begins with an awareness. You have to understand something is happening around me. Here, I just say, I don't think it was God. Here I say, it might have been God. Here I said, oh Lord, he's talking to me. And the decision point comes. Now you can make a decision anywhere along these lines. You can make a decision even when you don't think God. Well, you know, I'm not sure, but I'm going to pursue the truth to find out if God exists. That decision then will lead you to the next chair. But there are some people who will make the decision that I don't believe God exists and they will continue and just that there's an omnipresence of God and I don't deal with it. These are people we're trying to reach. We're trying to reach the people in this chair. We want to reach these people in this chair because if you can get this person to see God, this person will love God tremendously. If this person said God doesn't exist and then God shows up one day and talks to them, this person will love God and they will sell out. The night I believed Jesus was real, that night I was on fire. When I believed that God was real, I was so on fire. I went and I took all my friends. I put them all on their knees. We sat in a circle. I said, everybody's getting saved today. We all getting saved. Hell is real. Heaven's real. We're getting saved today. They all thought I was crazy, but I was on fire. And something interesting happened that night. That night I drew a line in the sand. And when I drew that line in that sand, what happened is we scattered. We scattered. And we scattered in terms of those who believed and those who didn't believe. But I did something that set a destiny in motion that I didn't understand. But my decision and my awareness, what I did in that moment, it set things going. See, every day, here's a, there's a study done by Stanford University about decision-making. They have a program on decision-making science. In this program, what they said, this study that they said, they said the average individual makes in the range of 2,500 to 5,000 decisions a day. 2,500 to 5,000 decisions every single day. You're making decisions all the time. You're making a decision right now. Right now, as I speak, you're saying, do I believe him or do I not believe him? Am I going to stay here through this whole message or am I leaving early? (laughs) What am I having for dinner today? You're making decisions. Whether you reckon, and guess what? And I know you're making decisions. (laughs) So thank you for deciding to stay. Amen. Praise the Lord. Discovering destiny requires, number one, that you become aware. Number two, that you make decisions. Number three, that you put energy behind the decisions that you make. When you put energy behind your decisions, it propels you in a direction based on the decision that you've made. When Christopher Columbus left Portugal, his first destination was Africa. And when he went to Africa, he discovered some people who told him how 
to navigate. They told him that there's a river in the ocean that if you find the river, it will take you all the way to the new world. He had to make a decision as to whether or not he was going to believe some people who told him that there's a river in the ocean (laughs) that will take him someplace he wanted to go. Do you believe enough to go back to Portugal, tell the queen of Portugal, I have discovered that there's a river in the ocean that will take us to the new world. I need you to give me money so I can go. (laughs) Somebody has some faith in something. Because here we are. Here's the interesting thing. His decisions opened doorways that caused both good and bad things to happen. His decision caused a whole group of people to discover a new world. His decision also caused a whole group of people to be enslaved and taken to another land. His decision also caused people who were in the land where people went to now be overcome and almost be driven to extinction. But it's one decision. See, where you decide, how you make decisions does not just impact you, it ripples beyond you. Which is why you must understand the power that God has given you. And in Acts chapter 1, it says that they were assembled together in one place. Verse 4. And he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus told them something. They have to make a decision. Now, they've been walking with him for three and a half years. The twelve and some others have all been walking with him. They understand that he has power, so they believe his words. So the very first things that we have here is, number one, his declaration that there is a promise of the Father, and number two, it's going to require obedience for them to acquire it. So tell your neighbor, say, there's a promise from your Father, but you will have to be obedient to receive it. You have to be aware of the moment. See, Jesus is talking to them and a moment is opening in front of them. A moment is opening with Jesus saying some words to them. And they've seen him resurrect from the dead, so it's easier to believe his words right now. But sometimes God speaks to us. God comes and visits us in this third chair when we are believers and we love God. And he speaks to us sometimes and he's speaking something that is a moment, a destiny changer. It is something that he is speaking to us in the moment that if we can hear it and be aware that it is actually God talking, that this might not just change your life, it might change a whole bunch of other people's lives as well. See, you don't look at yourself as significant, but you are significant. You are so significant. In fact, God is willing to entrust the gospel to just the church. Jesus said, I am going away. You're not going to see me no more. I'm going away, but I'm going to send my spirit to be with you. And when he comes in you, guess what? He won't be doing the work. He'll work through you. Tell your neighbor, say, I didn't realize you were so important. (laughs) Now, you're making a decision right now. You're making a decision as to whether you can receive what they just said to you. See, right now in the moment, right now, you need to be aware. Somebody just prophesied to you and you have to determine whether you're going to receive what was spoken over you. You're making a decision right now. You're making a decision whether you believe that God has made you and anointed you and given you power. You're making that decision right now. And the problem for us is, is that that word that is spoken, even though it says here, you're going to be baptized with the Spirit not many days from now. You're going to receive power. Let's read the rest of this. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 6, therefore they 
When they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I know you have heard this before, but do you have the revelation to make the decision you need to make with this? See, first, Jesus said there's a promise from the Father. Second, he told them you're going to have to be obedient to get it. Third, they asked him a question of destiny. Lord, is this the time? Is this the time you, Lord, are going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the time our destiny is going to be fulfilled? Is this the time our nation is going to be redeemed? Is this the time for something big to happen because God is going to do it? And his answer was simple. It's not for you to know your father's business. See, when my kids were small, I used to get up and go to work. And they didn't know where I was going. When I was a child, excuse me, when my kids were little, I would get up and I would go to work. They would say, bye, Daddy. And I'd go. And I'd be gone for hours. And I'd come back. Hi, Daddy. They didn't know where I was the whole day. They didn't know what I was doing all day long. They don't know what I'm doing all day. They just know he provides. Even when I told them what I was doing, they still didn't know. <laughs> Derry's sitting there. Some of his friends, friends asking, is your, is your father a, a spy? <laughs> they, they, was, was I a spy? Was I a drug dealer? What? Yeah, what, what, what what kind of, well, no, he does this. They couldn't, they couldn't understand it. <laughs> anyway, your father's moving on your behalf, and you don't always know what he's doing. Your father's out there moving. He's doing things, moving things for you on your behalf, doing things to make vision for you, and you don't know where he is. Sometimes you don't know what he's doing. But he needs you to make good decisions. So he tells you, gives, leaves us the word to help us guide our decision making, and then he goes, and then he empowers us to make decisions based on what the word says. So you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're worried about what the world is going to shape, but he's saying, no, I'm not trying to, I didn't do this to give global authority. I came to give you individual power. You know why I worked? You know, I worked hard as I could when my kids were small because I wanted to provide for my kids so they would grow up and be adults that could go do their own thing. I worked in order for them to be empowered to go and do something powerful in their life. I didn't work so I could take care of them forever. My, my, my plan never was, man, I'm going to take care of them forever. That was never my plan. My plan was always, praise the Lord, we're sending you to school. We're going to make sure you get your homework done. We're going to make sure this happens. We're going to make sure that happens. You going to play sports? It might, get you, it might get you a scholarship. Let's go. We're going to work hard on the backyard. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. What are we going to do? We're going to get you prepared. And when you get there, you're going to get an education and you'll be able to get a job and go do your thing. Now, I want your thing to align with my thing. Right? I don't want your thing undoing my thing. I didn't empower you to undo what I'm doing, but I'm empowering you to go do. Woo! Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Say happy Father's Day. Praise the Lord. So why would God design a system in which he has to do stuff he's empowered us to do. See, see, Jesus says here, he said, you worried about when God is going to restore the nation. But that's not why I'm here. 
I'm here to say that God wants to empower you to do something awesome. Tell your neighbor, say, you've been empowered to do something awesome because your father designed a system in which Jesus lives to redeem your life. And when you're redeemed, you receive the spirit so you can sit in the fourth chair. Come on. When you sit in the fourth chair, when you sit in the fourth chair, the empowering, the empowering, the empowering, indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to be on your life, you receive power to be his witnesses. But you can't sit here without making decisions. You can't sit here unless you're aware of the moment. You got to be aware of the moment. Something happened yesterday, and I said, I missed a moment. I missed a moment, man. And I want to get the moment back, but I can't get the moment back. So I had to say, man, okay. I said, Lord, next time I get that moment, I'm going to be here. When the moment comes again, I'm going to be in the spirit, ready. And when the moment comes, I can move in your spirit in the moment. See, I was sitting over here. I was in neutral. I was in neutral. I was just walking around in neutral. And the moment came, and I I missed the moment because I was in neutral. I was supposed to stay in the moment. I'm not telling you what I don't know. I'm telling you what I live. I'm telling you, I live through these chairs, and I want to be here. See, nobody's born here. See, this is what you have to understand about Christianity. You, ain't, you don't get born here, and you don't receive here from your parents or your grandparents or somebody else. you got to get here on your own. you got to get here through deciding and understanding where you are, receiving the gospel, doing something with the gospel when you receive it, that's how you get to this chair. You don't get this chair by any happenstance or any way. You get to that place between your relationship with God. That's why the prophetic word, when we were preparing for service this morning, the prophetic words that came forth and the encouragement that went among us were all representative of people making the preparation to get to the fourth chair. If you're here, you never live in condemnation. If you're here, you never live in condemnation. You say, thank you, Father. You're showing me how to move to the next level. Because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 So, we talked about these chairs for a couple of weeks, so now I want to give you something. I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you about destiny because I want to first shake your belief system. So we're going to shake it until only the right things is left. Amen? Amen? When the fall time comes, if you have a tree with a whole bunch of leaves on it, if you shake the tree, all the loose leaves fall off. Only the root leaves that are really stuck on will hang on. So you ready to get your tree shook? I'm going to see what falls off in here. Amen. Actually, I won't see it. You'll be the only one who knows. Amen. The power of the fourth chair is to fulfill your destiny by reigning in this life with Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to begin with Luke chapter 1. Those of you who are in Bible study went through this process, but I'm going to take it a little deeper today. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. I'm going to shake your beliefs. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. You can just write these down and follow on the screen. I'm going to to move quickly through these because I want you to meditate on them. Write them down so you can look at them at home. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, I'm glad I brought a pen and a paper. And if I didn't bring a pen and a paper, I'm going to raise my hands till the usher brings me one. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. For with God, nothing will be what? Impossible. 
Woo-wee! An angel comes to Mary and said, Mary, you're getting ready to have a baby. She said, I have not touched a man, so leave me alone. <laughs> I ain't been with no man, so don't, I'm not having no baby. I'm not married. I'm not going there. I'm not having no baby. <laughs> he said, yes, you are. <laughs> and then he has to explain. He said, with God, nothing is impossible. In other words, God don't need you to have a man to have a baby. (laughs) I'm going to shake your tree. God comes and says something that seems impossible to you. Can you accept it? Luke chapter 18. (laughs) Verse 27. But he said, talking about Jesus, remember, you don't have to turn there. I want you to look at him. Look on the screen. But he said, the things which are impossible with men are what? They're possible with God. (laughs) Mark chapter 10, verse 27. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible but not with God, for with God, what? If you fully believe that all things are possible with God, does it change the way you make decisions? (laughs) I'm not going to rush because I'm just going to shake your tree. Matthew 19, verse 26. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God... How many is that? Four. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, is that when you let a word be established? Okay, it's established. With God all things are possible. Mark 9 and 23. Mark 9, 23 says, Jesus said to him, if, who? (laughs) If you can believe, all things are possible to who? To him who believes. Wait a minute, isn't God the one who everything is, impossible, is, is possible for? Yes. And to his children who believe. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Matthew 17 and 20. Matthew 17 and 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Tell your neighbor, said, that's the size of a poppy seed. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move And what? Nothing will be impossible for you. I want you to notice the sequence of what I showed you. First, it was for God, nothing is impossible. Then it was what's impossible with men is possible with God. Then it was through God, all things are possible. Then it says, All things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe, all things are possible. And then it says, nothing will be impossible for you. See, it's one thing to believe all things are possible for God who's omnipresent, who's everywhere. It's another thing to believe that because I've been touched by the Holy Spirit, Because I've been filled with God's presence, nothing's impossible for me. 
See, I want to shake you. I don't want you to live in condemnation, but I do want to shake you. I want to shake you to understand there's more possible. See, if you've hit 55, 56, 57, 58 plus years, if you're in that range and your mind has started to say, time for me to shut it down, what I want to tell you is, forget that. If you're breathing, more is possible. See, stuff is not possible when you ain't here. That's when stuff stopped being possible. If you're here, more is possible. You may not run as fast as you used to. You might not stand as straight as you used to. Your shoe size might be bigger than it used to. (laughs) And I can go down the list with a whole bunch of other ones. But if you believe, nothing's impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for him who believes. Fourth chair living is for those who want to see the impossible come to pass. And God says, I can make it come to pass. I'm glad it's quiet. It means y'all thinking about what I'm saying. First thing, it is possible for you to reign over your enemy. That's the very first thing. You need to know it's possible for you to reign over your enemy. Turn to 1 Peter. Chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Tell your neighbor, say, we're talking about the devil here. Your adversary, the devil, the devil's not our friend, he's our adversary. The devil, your adversary, the devil. You need to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking who? He's looking for who he can devour. If he's looking for who he can devour, it means he can't devour everybody. Amen? If he's got to look for who he can devour, that means everybody cannot be devoured. Else he would just run out and devour. But he's got to look for somebody he can devour, which means you don't have to be the one. Amen? Amen? Thank you. Somebody said, I'm not the one. (laughs) Come on. You don't have to be the one. You can make a decision. You can become aware of the fact that the devil cannot devour everybody. You can be aware of that and make a decision. It shall not be me. I will not be devoured. I shall not be devoured. You can make a decision. Why? Because you've been received power when the Spirit came upon you. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm not going to be devoured. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. I'm going to lock it down with that. Resist him. In other words, when he shows up, just don't give in to the devil. Resist him steadfast. Where? In the faith. Resist him in what you believe knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. I had a man that came to me for counseling one time, and me and him were sitting down talking. He was pouring out all his woes and issues. He was pouring them out. And I said, and? (laughs) And? (laughs) But you don't understand. No, I don't understand your circumstance, but I know this. I've seen the same dog. (laughs) You thought that was the only dog out there running at people? I saw the same dog. (laughs) But you didn't see him. He he was like this big. No, he wasn't that big. He was this big. I saw the same dog. Your mind is telling you that dog is bigger than he really is. That dog is not this big. He might have seemed like he was that big because he was running downhill at you. (laughs) I'm telling you, he was this big, and you can do something with that dog. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, say, I reign over my enemy. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. Romans chapter 8. 
verses 14 through 17. Next, I want to, you tell your neighbor, say, I've been adopted into a new family. Amen. <laughs> Come on. I've been adopted to a new family. <laughs> I did genealogy research. I found that my last name ain't my, really my last name. I'm in a different family than I thought I was all this time. <laughs> Amen. But, I, but, I, but the genes are in there. Come on. Tell your neighbor, say, the, the genes are in there. I'm not talking about your pants. I'm talking about your genealogical, your, your genetics. God has called you to his family and changed your genetics. God has changed your genetics. You were born a sinner, but God said, no, I'm adopting you, and I'm going to give you a new infusion of new life. <laughs> Amen. Look at this. For as many as are led by the Spirit, These are the sons of God. Woo-wee. All you have to do is make a decision to be led by the Spirit and you become a son of God. All you have to do is make a decision. You, you select, you say yes to Jesus. You make the decision and you become sons of God. Verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You didn't, give, you didn't give your life to Jesus to live the rest of your life in fear. Woo-wee. Come on. Come on. You, didn't, you, didn't weren't, you weren't born again to live in fear. You've been adopted to give you a new confidence that God is with you. Amen? But you received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Greek word father is pater. Pater means parent. It's the complete parent. So some of us struggle receiving God as father because we don't know what that means. Some of us didn't have fathers growing up, as we, we talked about earlier today. Some of us grew up with fathers whose images were not godly images. Some of us grew up with fathers who were not there, kind of. And sometimes they were, and sometimes they weren't. So we have all these different pictures of what a father is. But what God says is, you have now the spirit of adoption that will cry from your heart, Abba Pater. Not just Abba the Father, but Abba the Parent. Abba the full parent, the nurturer and the disciplinary. Abba Father, the one who puts his arms around you and the one who pushes you in the back and tells you to get out there. Abba Father, the complete. Father, the spirit of adoption we have in our spirits. Let's look at the next verse. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. You're the child of God. You're making decisions right now. You're making decisions right now. Number three, the power potential. Romans 5 and 17. Romans 5, verse 17. Romans 5 and 17 says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. I want you to notice the wording in here. How many of you have made a dedication of your life to Jesus? You're saved because you've given your life to Jesus. Amen. That's the act of salvation. Right? For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, 
The reason you gave your life to Jesus is because at some point you realized Adam fell and you were born a sinner. Amen? So Adam's action condemned you. You didn't have to do anything to get there. All you had to do was just come into the world, get slapped on your rear end. You're a sinner. It's all it takes. It's all it takes. Here you are, born a sinner. If by one man's offense, death reigned through that one, how much more? Well, those who have now received the abundance of grace. In other words, how much more? If all of us are born sinners, then how much more? How much more will the abundance of grace that's poured out on our lives? How much more will that abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, which is right standing with God? You have grace, which means God gives you unmerited favor, not earned or deserved, and you get righteousness, which puts you in right standing with God. How much more will those who have received both grace and righteousness (laughs) will reign in life? will reign in life. Tell your neighbor, say, you have been gifted to reign in your life. Listen, listen. It doesn't say how much more will they reign in heaven with Jesus when he comes back. How much more does it say that the white chariot is going to come and take us and take us to reign? Where does it say that? It says reign in life. Reign in life. That means this calling on your life. What is your destiny? Your destiny is to reign in your life. And if you can't see it right now, that's okay. But you still need to believe that God is with you. Because if you can believe that God is with you, what do we start with? If you can believe, all things are possible. See, if you can believe all things are possible, which means even if you cannot see yourself where God says you are, it doesn't make a difference because God said it. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, God's talking to you. Make the right decision. Come on, come on, come on. I need y'all to get excited, but y'all should be shouting. Woo, oh my God. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Oh. (laughs) I'm called to reign. Thank you, Lord. See, here's why, we, here's why we resist that. When we hear the word rain, we hear the word rain, it scares us. That word rain, I'm supposed to rain? Well, I can't rain over something. It's me. I'm just little old me. I can't rain over nothing. Yeah, you can. But you, no, you can't. But you can. <laughs> you can't by yourself, but you can with him. You can reign with him in your life, but you got to renew your mind to what reigning means. Because, see, if you believe that reigning is supposed to be, you're supposed to lord over everybody, and we're supposed to all sprinkle stuff at you when you walk by. No, that's not reigning. Reigning means taking authority in the place where you stand. It's being aware of the moment and recognizing that every moment I'm called to reign, the moment. I'm called to reign this moment, right now, this moment. When the giant shows up, I'm called to reign this moment. God's with me, so I can reign this moment. God is standing with me. He's put his spirit in me, so I can reign in the moment. (laughs) Oh, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Come on. Luke 4 and 18. (laughs) Luke 4 and 18. (laughs) The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. How many of you have seen this passage before? Look at what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
Tell your neighbor, I got good news for those that are poor. Just think about it. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Tell your neighbor, say, I can heal those that are brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. I got liberty for those that are captured. <laughs> Recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. <laughs> I'm not going to rush. I'm just going to let you meditate on it. I went to the hospital to visit someone once. They were in a really bad situation. And I was standing there and I looked at them, and a spirit of fear came on me. I just remember so clear. It's one of the first times I ever went to visit somebody in the hospital, and a spirit of fear came on me. And everybody in the room, the family was in the room, and they were all, ooh, they were all crying and down. And I've just caught myself getting pulled right with them. And their emotions were taking over the room. And, and I'm, I'm standing there, and I was called on to pray. But I'm, I'm going to struggle to pray right now because I'm, I'm, I'm getting pulled. So the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, don't pray until the family leaves the room. And so I sat there. And the family, one by one, started leaving the room. And then it was just me and the person. And when they left, my strength returned. Because, see, I was getting pulled into this chair here. I was getting pulled, even though I know what the Word says concerning healing, concerning what God is able to do. The tears and the sadness of the room were pulling me. And I lost my awareness. I couldn't decide how to pray because my awareness was caught into the swirl of emotions. See, this is where you as a believer, you as a person who has a calling and anointing on your life, you got to remember that every day that's what happens. We get pulled into the emotions, but God doesn't live in your emotions. God lives in your faith. When they left, now the emotion is out of the room. What happens to me? All of a sudden, I get revived. Because now the, sad, the, the tears aren't there. The, the other people's emotions aren't there. If you don't, remember I told you, when you make a decision, it doesn't just sit with you. It ripples into other people. When people decide to grieve, it ripples into you when you're in their presence. I'm telling you how to reign. I'm telling you how to reign. When you have to reign, when you're called to reign, you're called to do something, you've got to get out of your emotions because your emotions are going to tell you stuff is impossible. You've got to listen back to God to say, yes, with you, Derry. Your tears and you getting caught up, yes, it's impossible for you. But guess what? When they leave the room, I'm going to make something possible. And me and that person, we prayed, and that person, that person got up and went on about their business. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. So somebody said, oh, it was a miracle. It wasn't a miracle. It was God just doing what God does. It was God performing his regular work. Come on. 
It was God doing what God does all the time. But Jesus went into a city and it said he could just only heal a few folks because of the people's unbelief. Listen, Jesus could only do a few good works in a city because the people didn't believe. Trust me, if that happened to Jesus, you better know it's going to happen to you. (laughs) There's going to be certain environments you can't do anything because the people don't believe. They won't receive the word when it comes to them. And guess what? They're all making decisions, so they're cut off from what God wants to do. Not because God cuts them off, but because God operates by faith. Amen? Amen. Look at this, and we're going to get ready to close in a second. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach. Look at the wording. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. What does because mean? That's why. That's why. In other words, when you say because of this, you're explaining why that. You're explaining why. So it says here, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do stuff. (laughs) Listen, here's your destiny. Let me explain your destiny to you. Your destiny is do stuff because he's already anointed you. (laughs) You're going to get power because you're already anointed to do stuff. Because God already chose you, already selected you, God already picked you to do stuff. And because he picked you, he will give you power to do stuff. He'll put the spirit on you to do stuff that you've already been called to do. But he doesn't give you the spirit and then you find a purpose. No, you have a purpose, that's why he gives you power. You have a purpose, you have a reason for being, you have a destiny. And if you understand you already have a destiny, then when the power comes upon you, it's just natural for you to do what you're called to do because you don't have to answer the question, I wonder if I'm called. No, that's why he's on you, it's because you're called. Why did God give you his spirit? Why would God send the Holy Spirit? Why would he do it? Because he's already picked the people to do mighty works in the earth. He's already called people. I saw this statistic, they said the church as it is is going to die within the next 20 years. I said, that's an unbelief statement if I ever heard one. But you know what they're basing it on? They're basing it on how people respond to the religious side of church. And if believers start believing that, they start confessing that. And so I see great people who are teachers of the word who start teaching the church is going to die in this much time. No, no, it's not. Because the church is always only one generation from dying off. Duh. If we don't win more people, yes, the church will die. But guess what? I'm not intending for that to be the case. Why? Because I'm making a decision. I'm aware of the environment I live in. I'm aware of the fact that people don't want to hear religion the way they always heard it. I'm aware of the fact that people don't want, they don't want to hear that from me. I'm not downing anybody else, but they don't want to hear that. They want answers to problems. They want answers to issues, which is why I'm trying to train you to reign and to have a substance of power in you that God is, wants to evoke in your life. So you're not living religiously. You're not just walking around doing stuff, acting religious with a giant cross that's tripping you when you're walking because it's so long. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking you to know your God. Know your God intimately. Walk with your God. Talk with your God. Stand with your God. Let him move through you. Let him operate through you. Let the love of God pour out through you. Let his gifts flow through you. Let his supernatural provision come out of your life. Let God do a mighty work in you. And know that God desires to do it. That he's not withholding power from you. He's not withholding anything from you. God's desire is that you be anointed so that he can put his spirit on you. Listen, Jesus read this from a scroll and he was quoting Isaiah 61. He was quoting it back, which is what we're called to do. We're called to reach into the scriptures, pull out what God says and declare it over our life and say this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing today. Oh, wait a minute. The Bible says that people prophesy. Yes, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing today. God has a word for you. God's going to bless your life. God loves you with unconditional love. I'm prophesying to you. Why? Because the Bible says that's what I can do. Yeah. 
you're going to receive power. When are you going to restore? No. That's not for you to know. You need to know that there's power coming on you. There's power coming on your life. Listen, I can only do so much. I can do so much. I praise God for the blessing you guys shared with me, saying stuff about me up here. I am, I am totally grateful for that. But I can't do much more. Not because I'm tired. Not because I'm tired. But, but, but God put a boundary on me. The boundary he put on me is time. He put the time boundary on me. The time boundary, I can only make so many phone calls in a day. I can only send so many texts in a day. I can only work so much in a day. I can only do that. And he said, you got to do that for some amount of days. Then I want you to set your butt down and I want you to rest. I want you to sit down and I want you to rest. You need to take a Sabbath and sit down and rest. But I'm always tempted to keep on working, keep on working, keep on working. 24 days, I'm still working. 28 days, I'm still working. Work, 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 work. And then God says, I'm going to have to set you down. And then my body says, sit down. And then I have to sit down because my body, I recuperate. As soon as I feel better, work, 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 work. I'll get back to it. Not realizing God put a boundary on me, which is time. Why did God put that boundary on Adam? Why did he put it on us? Because he never intended us for the work, work, work. He intended us to power others. Empower others. So all of our labors come together. All of our labor comes together. And we expand the kingdom because all of us are pouring in. To the world what God has poured into us. Amen. Amen. I'm no more special than anybody else. The greatest person you watch on television, you say, wow, how anointed. Guess what? Joyce Meyer is not more anointed than anybody in this room. T.D. Jakes is not more anointed than anybody in this room. Joel Osteen doesn't have a greater anointing than anybody in this room. If you can find them on TV, I can tell you right now, they have the same boundaries as we do. They're not greater than us. We're all called to fulfill the purposes that we have on our lives. But we can't reign over a church of 30,000 till we reign on the church of one. He said, if you be faithful over the small things, I will make you ruler over more. So you don't look and judge your abilities based on others. You look and you receive what God has for you based on where you stand. And you become aware in the moment of the fact that God has me here right now. My destiny is going to be written by the decision I make next. My next decision is authoring my destiny. When I was a young puppy in Bible school, one of my instructors, he told me this I never forgot. He said, a life of power is established from daily obedience. <laughs> my man, Elder Eddie Wells, he said, that's all you have to do. Obey God today. Take authority today. Rule the domain that you have around you right now. Bless, love, use your gifts, declare your provision, receive resurrection power to energize you, strengthen you. Do it right now. And what happens is, is that your life will be here. And as you live your life, God will multiply what you do. God will multiply what you do. Amen. Listen. Your destiny is to reign in this life with Christ. But your ability to reign is based on your choice to obey the word and to be a disciple, mastering the simple disciplines that we use in the fourth year. Learn how to pray and how to worship. Obey the word. 
and put energy behind your actions. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Today's message was titled Discovering Destiny from our series, The Presence of God. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you'll find more information about us, our church, and our events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.